Well, we're going to continue our theme in the little series we're having on the developing the cry, Give Me Jesus. And, you know, we want that theme in every part of our lives, in our hearts, uh, and the way we walk to have that experience every part of him and his truth. And, you know, to really understand someone, because we're saying, Lord, give me you. I want to know every part of you. To really understand someone, you have to know how they think, right? You kind of have to know their mind and what what kind of thought process they have. And, and so there's an aspect in that cry of give me Jesus is we need to come to that place of knowing what he's thinking or at least have an idea, right? You have, have a grasp of, of it how he thinks, that we, you could say, as the scripture says, we develop the mind of Christ, that we obtain the mind of Christ. And, you know, we need his mind because we face so many challenges on our journey as Christians, obstacles and times where we're crying out, Lord, can I know your will? I need to know your perspective. I need to know what you think about the situation I'm facing or what's the, what's the key to overcoming here? One of the reasons we have trouble with that is right here, our own mind, our own concepts or ideas of how things should take place or um, what should happen. Our own thought process can sometimes be in conflict and we think, well, this seems like the right way, but it's in conflict with this other thing I'm feeling in my spirit. What is the right way? And and so really one of the 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 difficult realities in life, in the Christian life, is that our mind and our thoughts don't always line up to Christ's. Now, I consider some of these verses in Isaiah, um, what Isaiah shares about Christ, I think it's kind of like some of the the most troubling verses in in. Isaiah, and I think it's at, probably, I was thinking it's in my top five of some of the saddest verses in Scripture. Maybe you know what I'm referring to and relating to our thoughts, but Isaiah 55 and verse 7, it says, Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts, and let him return unto the Lord, and he will have mercy on him and our, to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. That's not the sad part. That's the good part. Right? But, but then he says these next words as kind of like a contrast to show why the first part's important. Verse 8 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. And what's so troubling about that is God is saying his thoughts are so much higher above our thoughts, and that's sad. You know, especially when we're in that situation of our thoughts and his are way up there and we're still down here. We have a point of view and a way of thinking, but God's way can be totally different at times, and that's the troubling thing. You know, his way of doing things is so much higher. They are higher than the earth. That's really the key. They're higher than the earth, Our problem is, as human beings born with our earthly nature, maybe that's another synonym besides our sin nature, it's our earthly nature, where we can be stuck and tied to the thinking of the earth or the thinking of man 
from our perspective. And if it's tied to the earth or to the world, it will always be lower. Or maybe you could say it'll always be out of sync with what God is thinking because his ways are higher. I don't like that. I want to be in sync with the thinking of God and of Christ. Paul talks about this in Romans 8, uh, kind of presents it as a contrast to walking in the Spirit. Romans 8, 4, it says that the righteousness of the law would be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Right? As believers, we're to walk after the Spirit of Christ to be led by Him in our, in our decisions, in our actions. But look at verse 5. For those who live according to the flesh, think about the things of the flesh. Mm. There's our problem. Where are our thoughts? But those who live according to the Spirit, those who are led by the Spirit, and we know those who are led by the Spirit are the sons and daughters of God. Those who live according to the Spirit, they think about those things. They're, that's where their thoughts are. And that kind of grips me when I read that because I can think back on my week and think, where, would my, where was the majority of my thoughts? Sometimes I think, well, I was thinking a little too much about the things of this world and this life or, you know, carrying over into concerns and, and so forth. But that doesn't get me into that place of being led by the Spirit, of having my thoughts be in that higher realm. So it's a powerful statement. We can live according to the flesh, the carnal things, based on our thoughts, our thought life, or the spirit and the heavenly things based on whether our thoughts are there or not. So what determines how we are living is what we are thinking about. If we are thinking about the things of the world and the flesh, we tend to live that way. But if we're thinking about the things of the spirit, and that's where we're focusing on, we will be led by him and by the Spirit. And that produces life. Romans 8, verse 6. We know that to be carnally minded is death. Right? We kind of talked about that because we're not led by the Spirit, we're led by the flesh. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Two important things. Life, right? receiving strength and health from heaven and from the Holy Spirit and peace, being at rest. Two very vital things. You know, life and death are not just in the power of the tongue, as Proverbs says, but it's also in our thought life, what we're thinking about. If we're thinking on spiritual things, that will produce life and peace. And, you know, I was just even this morning just thinking about worshiping the Lord, and it's like, even worshiping the Lord, you can just be, you know, if you put, put your mind on autopilot and it's like, okay, I'm singing the songs. You know, sometimes you, you can be singing songs of worship and you're like, I forgot, I'm singing this to Jesus. You know, Jesus, there you are, I'm singing this to you. And it's like all of a sudden we wake up because we're, our thoughts are there, our focus is there. Give me Jesus. That so needs to be our cry in our thought life to think on things that produce life and peace. And that's why, you know, 
that's why it's so important to, to focus on God and his word, you know. And the important thing about the, about the word of God is not so much how much we read it, but how much we're thinking about it, how much we're meditating on it, how much it is a part of how we think, how it influences us and guides us. But when the mind is focused only on the things below, that's where we'll be. It goes on in Romans 8, verse 7, it says, the carnal mind is at enmity with God. It's hostile towards God. That's another scary verse. We can say, Lord, I, I want to follow you. I want to serve you. But if our mind is just stuck in that carnal groove, it becomes hostile to the ways of God. Lord, save us. Save us from that wrong thought life. You know, because, but that's really what we were born with. That's the default. You know, when we, when we turn, our, turn it off, so to speak, or go on autopilot, so often we default back to that old way of thinking. The problem is that old way of thinking is at odds. It's hostile towards God. And, you know, some people can't accept God because they're controlled by that natural mind. They say, well, I can't believe in God because I can't see him and I can't understand him. And so I can't follow him or I don't see any evidence. So I don't accept him. But the Lord wants to change that in us. He wants to do something new in our thought life, in our mind. The Apostle Paul said in Philippians 2 and verse 5, this was his admonition to us as believers. He said, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. That's his admonition. Let the mind of Jesus become ours. That's one of the goals of our life. God desires us to have a change of mind. In fact, you know, we, we know that repentance is a part of the Christian process, especially coming to Christ and accepting him, we repent. But even after we're Christians, we still have some repentance to do when we, you know, find we're, we're not aligning to God. But really that word repent, it actually means a change of mind. We need to have our mind changed. I think we realize that even after we come to Christ and accept him, our mind is still not quite up to the high places that Isaiah was talking about. If we want to experience a change of life, we have to have a change of mind to change the way we think. Thankfully, we have that hope. It's the, verse, the very first verse we started with back in Isaiah you know, I talked about the sadness. Well, this is not the sadness. This is the joy. This is the hope. Back in Isaiah 55 and verse 7, Isaiah says, Return to the Lord and he will have mercy. Return to the Lord. It's an invitation to come unto him and to develop the same mind and the same thoughts so that we can no longer be stuck on the earth, but we can be lifted up into that higher realm with God, so that we are in sync with God, in sync with heaven, and we have the same mind 
as Christ. The Bible has a lot to say about the mind and about our, our thoughts. And it actually has a lot, lot to say about how they are to be like Christ. That's one of our goals as believers. One of the keys is found in, you know, the Apostle Paul had a lot to say about the mind as well, and he talked about this in Romans 12. In verse 2, he said, reading from the ISV here, he said, Do not be conformed to this world, but continually transformed by the renewing of your minds so that you may be able to determine what God's will is, what is proper, what is pleasing, what is perfect in God's sight. And so the Apostle Paul is showing us what the Christian life should be like. And the reason I like this translation is it puts that word continual in there. And I think that's a really accurate reflection because it's not just, okay, come to Jesus and all of a sudden, you know, that perfect work is done. And I think when we look at our lives, that's kind of silly because our, our thinking has not fully changed. There's that continual need to be transformed by the renewing of our minds so that our thoughts are His thoughts and our ways become like His ways. And we know what is proper, pleasing, and perfect. Not from man's point of view. I mean, there's all sorts of ideas and mindsets out there that people will try to persuade us. This is what is right. And none of that matters. None of it matters at all. What we need to know, what is proper, pleasing, and perfect in the sight of God? Because when we're aligned to that, we're good for eternity. You know, that word for renewed, uh, it actually has that thought of being renovated. Renovated. Uh, in the last few years, we, you know, watching TV, people love watching home renovation shows, right? Because it's kind of like, I wish I could do that in my house, but I don't really feel like going through it, so I'll watch other people do it. And I love seeing the end result of it all shiny and sparkly and made new, and maybe someday I'll do that myself, right? But, you know, God wants to renovate what the way we were born. He wants to renovate our mind and our thought life and make us new. Remember a time in Bible school when I was a student up in Waverly at our uh, headquarters there, and there was a fire. You know, we, uh, I, I can't remember where we were, but the fire bell rang, and I was like, wow. They said, everyone assemble out. And there, it was, it, what it was is that there was a room we stored mattresses in and a light bulb got left on and it heated up a mattress and the room went up in flames. But thankfully, the fire department was able to put that out without damage other than just this room. And, and so then the main uh, work as students is we helped dump everything out. What we did is they actually took a whole window out and we just threw everything in that room out, the furniture, the mattresses, everything had to, had to go. And then <laughs> we renovated it. We painted it, brought in new furniture and all sorts of things. And um, I say that because 
I got to I got the extra blessing of being the first occupant of that new room. So that I I actually said, hey, uh, is anyone going to take that room? Can I have it? And they gave it to me. So ask not, you have not. But that thought of renovation, that's kind of a, the process that God wants to do in us and through us. You know, it, he doesn't want to demolish who we are. It's not like, okay, there's this shack on this nice, valuable piece of ground. No, he says, look, here's someone I can use. Like, isn't that the term we use? You see a house, it's like, that's got good bones. I can do something with this. I can transform it. And that's how God views us, that he can renovate and transform us. And one of the key ways is if he can transform the way we think to align it to heaven, then he can do anything with us. He can use us in any way. And so that's how we become that new creation in Christ. All of the old ways have to be thrown out that window because they are they're not only no good, not worth anything, they're detrimental to us because they'll keep us stuck on the earth. You know, in our, in our walk with Christ, we should be able to look back and say, you know, I think totally different than I did back in that day, back before I really took Christ seriously, so to speak, or didn't walk with him at all. And thank God for that that I think totally different. But you know, even later on in our walk, we should say, you know, thank God, I think totally different than when I was a new believer. It's, you know, our thoughts evolve because God changes the way we think to line up and to match how he thinks because it's a continual renovation. I'm thankful you know, my house was built in 1975. I'm thankful that it doesn't have the same decorations that it, as it did on the day it was built. Some of your houses might be older and you never know. There's a continual process of renovation that has to take place in us. It's terrible to be stuck in 1975. Maybe that's when we were, first came to Christ. <laughs> and if someone walked into your house and they could tell you're still stuck in 1975. We don't want someone to see that in our thought life, especially when it comes to Christ, that we're stuck somewhere. We need renovation. We need God to come in and transform us. And, and so quickly, I wanted to look at a few ways that we can develop that renewed mind for Christ. One of them is found in, in Peter. 1 Peter 1 and verse 13, where Peter says, Gird up the loins of your mind. Don't you like that phrase? Gird up your loins. That is not used very much today, but um, and I'll continue on. It says, be sober, hope to the end for the grace that is brought uh, to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now, literally that phrase, gird up your loins, it, it literally means prepare for action. Get ready to run the race or run you know, to where you need to go. And it's, it's an expression from ancient times when they used to wear the one-piece long garment because that's what they had. You know, they didn't have Walmart or the mall that they can go and get different garments and so forth. But what they would do is they take that and tuck it up in their belt so that they can run fast. Um, 
And so they would gird up their loins. They'd tuck it right in. And so often what makes us stumble in our walk with Christ is that is when our thoughts are not secure, when our thoughts are not lined up with Christ and with his way. We have thoughts that trip us up, thoughts of whatever it could be, fear, worry, depression. You know, all of these thoughts that the enemy can whisper in that you know, maybe we don't realize or comprehend, that's not God speaking, that's someone else. And they can trip us up. The enemy loves to put thoughts into our mind. You know, think about Eve in the garden. She was having a conversation, but what she did not realize was she was about to have a change of mind in a very negative way. Did God really say that? Is that what he meant? But of course, the enemy's still speaking. Does that preacher really know what he's talking about? Is that sin, this little area, really going to affect my life? And those thoughts can come in and trip us up and keep us from running our race. But God has given us the ability to fight back in our thoughts. Another, uh, actually the Apostle Paul again, giving us advice Good counsel. In 2 Corinthians 10 and verse 4, telling us how we should fight in this area. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. And that's where I want to be. Every thought. You know, when every thought is taken captive for Christ, you are in a good place because your garments are all tucked up and you can run your race and you won't get tripped up because you're aligned to what God is speaking to you when every thought is taken captive. It's much easier to fight something when it is a thought rather than an action right? God wants us to learn to take captive every thought. Um, you can deal with the thought, but it's a lot harder when that thought has, becomes an action, and now that action produces consequences. It's a lot harder to deal with it. Now, someone once said, you can't keep the birds from flying over your head. The concept is you, it's hard to deal with, you know, thoughts come and go in your mind, and, but he said, but you can keep them from nesting in your hair, right? Birds come and you just, sometimes you duck. If you're at the beach and you're holding, you know, a sandwich and the birds come, you know, you duck, but you sure can't keep them from having a nest and eating all your food. And so there's that, that same concept with thoughts is you can't really, sometimes the enemy says things or thoughts, you get bombarded with things. There's billboards and all sorts of things there. But God still will empower us. If we'll seek him, he'll empower us to take those thoughts captive for him. And sometimes it's a battle. Right? David had to speak to himself. And sometimes it's okay to talk to yourself. You're, that's not being crazy. Just don't do it too much in public. But, but you know, David had to talk to his soul to encourage himself in God. And sometimes you have to even speak to those thoughts. No, get out in the name of Jesus. But after that, what do you do? 
because you don't just want to kick thoughts out and then have an empty mind, right? Have, having empty heads doesn't, isn't helpful either. And so then we need to fill ourselves. Another, another verse that Paul shares, Philippians 4.8. We won't spend a lot of time on this. There's eight gates here. Brethren, whatever things are true, honest, just, pure, lovely, of a good report, if there's virtue and praise, think on these things. All right? And so they're the fil- In fact, this, this is the, kind of does double duty that helps us to identify thoughts we need to take captive and kick out if they're not true. You know, that, sometimes that gets me. It's like the first thing we need to think of, is this even true? How often have we, have we meditated in, on thoughts and we've been upset about thoughts we find out that wasn't even true? And so these gates can be like a filter. You know, if, is it honest? Is it just? And so we can, you know, use these as a filter. Is it a good report? This is an important one. You know, sometimes things can even be true, but it's not a good report. Remember the, the 12 spies that were sent into the land? You know, they came back and everything they shared was true. There's giants there. It's a little scary. You know, there's fruitfulness, but there's giants there. You know, it was true, but it was not a good report. It discouraged the hearts of the people. You know, we might think about all these true things. Well, I've got bills and I've got this difficult person I've got to deal with. And, you know, it's true, but meditating on those things is not good. And it will affect us. All right, so we cast them out. But yet then we think on those things. Then we need to identify, okay, what is true? What is good? What is honest? What is lovely? What is a good report? And I, and I want to fill my mind now with those things. You know, that's actually the hard part. Is, you know, sometimes we, it, we can identify things. Okay, that's wrong. And then, but it takes some effort sometimes to say, no, I am going to focus on what is good, on what God has for me on his plan. I'm going to praise him. I'm going to be thankful. I'm going to worship him. But when we do it, it's so powerful. You know, there's also the word of God. It's one of the main weapons that God has given us to fight our battle. Jesus defeated Satan in the wilderness with that one weapon. He simply shared the word of God. If you're hungry, make these stones bread. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. That destroyed the enemy. There's power. When you're fighting in your thoughts, there's power when we use the word of God, when we repeat that. And so, you know, it's good to have certain verses ready in your heart to reply to the enemy. One last thought. Again, the Apostle Paul. Philippians 4, verse 6. Be careful or be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God, and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall guard, what does that word mean? Guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So another real key and coming to the Lord in making our requests known is to include thanksgiving, is to have a thankful heart. And sometimes I am so forgetful with that. Lord, 
We need you. I need you in this. Oh, Lord, yes, thank you. But yet we don't want to be forgetful of that because it's powerful. It's powerful. It leaves no room for thoughts of complaining or worry that can cause us to be downcast and out of sync with God's thoughts. I always, when I, when I remember this, I always think of Pastor Wallace's story. Probably heard him share the story how he was in uh, the island of Fiji and they were out ministering as a family and they came back to their hotel room and they found it had been broken into. All their stuff was taken and the ki- their kids were young and they were just so sad that even their toys were stolen. And, you know, Pastor Wallace had different, like a jacket and a tape recorder. You know, it was just stolen, taken. And that was so difficult, you know, because here they are ministering for the Lord and they're robbed. But God quickened this thought of, you know, this thought of thanksgiving, of being thankful unto God. And, and so he gathered the family and said, you know what? We're going to be thankful. We still have our passports. We weren't here. No one got hurt. You know, we can rejoice, and, and they, they chose to do that, and they continued on their journey, and, and he said that it was amazing how everything that they lost was stolen from them. God replaced it. People gave them things, that, and he said they were even nicer than what they had before. And that taught him something, and he shares that all over the world, the importance of rejoicing and thanksgiving in God. And that's why we want to choose to rejoice. 1 Thessalonians 5.18, in everything, give thanks. In everything, give thanks. There's not a lot of room there for exception because he says in everything, give thanks. There's always something we can thank the Lord for in every situation if we will allow ourselves to, well, use our imagination anyway or or just be obedient. Lord, I don't even know why I can be thankful, but I'm still going to do it. Thank you, Lord. And it opens the door for God to move. And it connects us to heaven and to God's thoughts and his ways. And so, you know, this this concept of our thoughts is so important because if our cry is, Lord, give me Jesus, then we need to learn to think like him and know what he's thinking towards us and for us. And I'll close with one more verse of the Apostle Paul that's, that's encouraging to us. First, or 2 Timothy 1 and verse 7, it says, For God has not given us the spirit of fear. God has not put us in a place where fear can ever be the only thing that we know or our Lord and Master. But he's given us the spirit of power, of love, and of a sound mind. You know, that word sound means discipline or self-control. It's the type of mind that God wants us to develop where our mind has been renovated and transformed so that his thoughts have become our thoughts and his ways have become our ways so that we're no longer bound to the earth, not in the spirit anyway, in the spiritual realm, but we're sitting with him in heavenly places. And, and so let's ask the Lord, Lord, would you come and do a renovation? I'm inviting you into my house, into my temple to do a work and change my thoughts. And I think that 
we're all in a place where we can say that. I don't know if anyone, don't raise your hand, but if you're in a place where, yeah, his thoughts are already my thoughts. I'm, I'm okay. You see, we need that renovation, that work done. Lord, I don't want that verse to apply to my life. Lord, let your thoughts be my thoughts. Do that work within me. Establish the gates in my mind. Give me a heart and a mind that will thank, thank you and praise you in all things so that our mind will constantly be in that higher realm and we can dwell with him. Father, we just look to you. We thank you, Lord, for these verses in Isaiah and not just giving us that perspective of how much we need to change, but you gave us that, that hope that if we would come to you, you would have mercy. And so, Lord, we come to you that, Lord, we want our cry to be give me Jesus throughout all of our life. And we recognize that we need a new mind. We need a new pattern of thinking. And so, Lord, we pray that you would do that work of renovation, adjust the way that we're thinking, Lord, so that that verse would, could not apply to us, that our thoughts are not your thoughts, or your ways are our ways. Oh, Lord, do what, whatever it takes within us that we would have a change of mind. Oh, God, come and work within us, we pray. Oh, Lord, renovate us, work within us, transform us, that we could sit with you in heavenly places, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you.